So, like we we did mention that we're we're gonna try and anchor ourselves a little bit. It is Halloween right now. Uh, thinking about the topic of fear, potentially. You know, one of the things that I I brought into our minds that I would like to kind of you know hear your opinion on is that we keep finding these cycles of different things to be scared of. And one of the things that I touched on my stream today is how all of these things that we end up touching on when it comes to fear, be it, you know, COVID, be it the epidemic that is, you know, our global warming, be it nuclear war or the threat thereof, and now AI being so on the forefront of our minds, all of them technically stem from the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. We don't know if these things are going to happen or not. And do you think there's an antidote to that? Do you believe it's a tool being used by the powers that be to try and keep us, you know, from uniting with one another? Or is it something that is very intrinsic to the human experience? Well, that was two questions. The first one, is there an antidote? Yes. The second one, is there, is it being used in a um, nefarious manner? Yes. Um, well, I think you had a third question there. Is it intrinsic? Yes, it's intrinsic. Yeah. So, okay, where do we start? <laughs> it's okay. So it's intrinsic to us because that's how we developed. That's literally how we evolved to survive. If people didn't have the fear instinct, they probably didn't survive. If you weren't afraid of the lions and tigers and bears in the woods, you got eaten by the lions and tigers and bears and you didn't pass on your DNA. So we're the offspring of the ones that were afraid, right? So the thing is, we still have those genes in us, but the lions and tigers and bears now are COVID, are AI fears, are nuclear war, are insert whatever irrational fear is here, right? That's still in our literal code. Um, and the powers that be are using that to their advantage to control us because when we're in a fear state, we're easily um, controlled for some reason. I know a psychologist can probably explain it a lot better than I can, but when we're in a fear state, there's not a lot, a lot of rational, logical thinking. It's very, you know, pack-like, it's herd-like. Think about if a lion, a tiger, or bear actually was coming at the pack of the tribe, you'd want to all get together and almost, um, um, how do I put this? kind of, yeah, almost think in a sort of tribe-like echo chamber and shut down any kind of free-thinking, independent thought. Because if you wanted to survive, you have to think as a tribe. So right now, what's being done is creating separation, these echo chambers of, you know, right now, the biggest one is uh, Jew or Muslim or Black or yeah. White whatever the difference is whatever the tribe that is being created for us we're getting stuck into those probably from the powers that be so that we um we don't look up and see who's actually in power um and we stay fighting amongst ourselves and um see the person as an other exactly okay so i hope i'm making sense here i'm, I'm trying to string Perfect. all of these three questions together and which is great man this is an awesome start is there an antidote to that is there an antidote to this tribe-like mentality that's instilled in us pretty much from birth i would say yes the antidote to fear is love we've all heard that before but it's true the antidote to fear is is transcending the duality of the tribes transcending the Palestinian, transcending the Jew, transcending the the yin and the yang to love, which is like the non-dual quantum third choice. You know, it's seeing both and neither. It's seeing past the line that's drawn for us. So love, God, unity, being able to reside at that level of consciousness is the antidote to that. And that's up to all of us to be able to find in our own accord. And that's my answer to the three questions that you uh, you brought I up. I love that. Started man. this off like with. so beautifully said. Like as you were talking, you know, as you as you mentioned the word psychology, the like I, I read like a little bit about like the the spikes in consumerism that end up happening every single time there's some sort of report of a major fear event, 
right? Like we saw with like COVID, the whole toilet paper thing, right? Like that's like a small <laughs> subset fractal of yeah. a larger psychological problem because mm. people start buying things to try and create this sense of security yeah. when they're scared. Makes right? sense. And living in this con consumerist society right now in capitalism, it's very profitable to have scared people, right? Even exactly. if it's not necessarily a direct being marionetted control, it's like the only thing they need to control for is whether or not you feel safe or not. Mm -hmm. And then they offer you the solution to believing you're safe or not. And then again, as you beautifully said, like if you realize that you are living in a world of love, or at least if you can allow yourself a state of love, that's the, that's the real thing we're trying to control for, but that can be so difficult. And then one of the other things that you said that really resonated with me about like the whole other, right? Seeing the other and then trying to transcend almost like in a quantum state to that state of love. I feel uh, slowing down is like what's required of us yeah. to almost like reach that point. And in the same way, as you were mentioning, like us being the descendants of people who were scared, if you slowed down, while a lion was chasing you, <laughs> you, you didn't make survive. Exactly. exactly. So <laughs> now it's almost counterintuitive for us as a society to slow down because like right now it's go, 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 you know, work, 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 make money, make money. Like things are getting more expensive. So if you don't keep working, you're not going to be able to afford to eat next year. Yeah. And it's, it's like, how, how do we counteract that sense of urgency that is being created in us, you know, what is going in society? And it's the same thing with like this, this conflict happening in the Middle East. Because it feels in one part like a sense of powerlessness for us as individuals and it, and it ruins relationships. For instance, me and my dad's relationship, you know, got damaged by talking about this topic. Mm. Like we are so far away, you know, uh, spatially at least from this conflict happening. And then seeing like the difference in opinion about what's happening causes those divides. So it's not only the divide of, you know, the Israel or versus Palestine, but it's also like the opinions of different people all around the world and that yeah. creating polarity as well. Interesting. Being able to like not see the person as one of ourselves and seeing them as like the other. Because I've had that experience a lot with like seeing my dad as on the wrong side of history, <laughs> right? Where there's like, you know, the denial of like climate change and not believing that coal is a problem and like seeing these things and like feeling this sense of, we're not the same, right? And I wonder about like the media he consumes, right? Is it like because of the fractals he keeps exposing himself to that he finds himself in that state of being? And then I, then I ask myself the question of like, is it me? Am I the one seeking the right information? You know, because knowing that we are one, he's also the same me that is seeking in his mind the right information and mm. we come to different conclusions in that way sometimes oh good point man i'd have to say this is uh once one taps into themselves slows down finds that sort of third choice beyond the duality um the seeking i don't even know if you want to call it seeking but i don't know a better word but the seeking doesn't stop the game doesn't stop that's played between the dualities it's just that you're moral compass is able to intuitively flow with what is right so i can imagine i don't know your dad but i can imagine your dad's sources of information aren't as pure as yours would be because you have most likely a intuitive um, guidance that he doesn't have you know so you we're still playing the game of what's right and what's wrong it's just um, when you lead with love, it's easier to see what's right, it seems. Like the, the show still goes on, the game we have to play of duality, of yin and yang still goes on. But it's once you slow down, there's a certain discernment that comes about that makes it easier to choose and know what is the right choice between the two choices. You see? Like I'm thinking now that maybe, maybe that is how we're controlled is we're told that you're supposed to quickly make a decision, right? Like we're, we're almost try, like the world is trying yeah. to convince us that there is no option for us to slow it down right now. Hmm. And like that causes us to, I know, think so. Make the, bad the, the sun's coming right in on my face. It's strange. It looks beautiful, <laughs> man. Like the sun is blessing you. It's my, I'm glowing.
I think it's the uh I think because slowing down, it seems so unnatural. It seems like the complete antithesis to the world. I can see why yoga and meditation and the whole path altogether seems like it just seems like what do they say? Woo woo. It's like hooey doesn't, you know, it doesn't compute because literally it's the opposite of the world. You know, it's the, it's Maya. You're going against Maya, <laughs> like slowing down actually doesn't make any sense because it's not supposed to make sense because it's you're not supposed to survive if you slow down but it's actually right now it seems like the complete opposite it's like now if you slow down you are going to survive but not necessarily physically you're going to survive mentally like you you reach a point of um uh, what's the opposite of entropy i guess uh like you know what's going with the flow i don't know what that word would be but it's the opposite momentum of, yeah, exactly. Momentum. You reach a sort of momentum mentally rather than getting sucked into the illusion of Maya, which is a sort of mental entropy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's you're you're touching on something that I've been thinking about, you know, and I wanna wanna offer you this idea as well, because a part of me wants to see it as a good thing, but now this mental entropy that you're talking about is like hitting as a truth in me as well. You know, and it's like watching my little brother. He's only six years, six, five years younger than me. But he was a part of the generation that, you know, had TikTok from like the age of 15 or whatever. Yeah. So he will watch an anime, scroll TikTok videos in between gaming sessions. Right. And like I'll yeah. walk into his room and it's an absolute mess. Like, like his room is almost like this antithesis of what's happening inside of his brain as well. Uh -huh. And a part of me would like mm. to believe that we, we are this hyper-stimulated right now as a, I want to call it maybe an antidote to this hyper-stim future we're heading into right now where like eventually we're going to go transcendent with the technology becoming integrated into our own beings. And that is going to be potentially much higher bandwidth than the access to information we have right now. So is he trying to prepare himself maybe like unconsciously for that high band of information by having these multiple sources of input at the same time? Or is he, you know, causing entropy being so like multiple attachments to the Maya, to the illusion at the mm. same time, you know, convincing mm. him ceaselessly that he's only this, this small thing. Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting point of view to have, you know, that he might actually be helping himself out in the future. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any problem. I think we've probably talked about this before. I don't think there's any problem with the constant interconnectivity to technology. It's as long as one can balance it out with that sense of stillness, balance it out with slowing down, then I think you could utilize the technology even better, even more so, um, and not let have it use you. But that's the question is your brother or anybody else not even just your brother because you know there's probably millions of other people in oh, that yeah. situation that are his age are those people doing that most likely no <laughs> most likely like, no. not, not judging to, like i'm not i'm like, not he's judging not even he's not even willing to exercise never mind do mm. yoga right and it's yeah. like in my mind it's almost like un i, I can't understand it right because it's it's this this weird duality of both being completely unconcerned with their bodies yeah. and at the same time thinking that that is what they are alone, right? It's like this double, this is all I am, so why should I care about it? Yeah, man. Right? Like mm -hmm. there's so much more for me to experience. And like I'm thinking as well, is there an eventuality, right, to this speeding up of input, right? Is it just going to be like pure noise at the end of it, you know, where... Where are we going? To, like, are we going to hit the wall, metaphorically speaking, you know, of how much we can input before huh. we reach a point of saturation? So what do you mean? What does that look like, a point of saturation? Like what? So, for instance, and this is something that I'm kind of like pro or fascinated by, is like listening to music, right? Like right now, our music listening experience is like an, an audio only, right? Like you have yeah. these ears and those ears put in like a binary signal into your brain. And technically it is processed by your whole brain and experienced as such, but it is like a, this is my ears experiencing this input. Now yeah. imagine we have brain computer interplants 
And that same binary signal that is generated by your ears gets put into your visual cortex and gets put into your oh. smell and gets put into your touch, right? Like synesthesia, like, like technological Yeah, exactly, synesthesia. like a technological synesthesia. Oh. Like, and then you can like up the voltage or the amount of input, you know? Damn. Like, is there a point where you're just going to be like tapped out? Like, I, I cannot anymore. <laughs> or like it's like it's, it's a weird thing to think about senses. yeah exactly <laughs> and like and, and, and as you beautifully said as well being able to kind of come back from that and just be still and like watch a sunrise and do some yoga for example like i feel like those two are going to be so important to be balancing otherwise you know i feel like you would lose your mind right like yeah. imagine listening 24 hours with that like hyper stim experience <laughs> i cannot imagine it's good for you no way I think that's going to happen. That's interesting. I've never thought of technology evolving like that, where we're going to, I mean, it makes sense. We have audio visualizers, visualizers online. So I, yeah, that's obvious. That's going to happen where sounds are going to like hit you. Maybe the bass will be like implanted somehow into your body. You'll feel the bass. You can already feel that. Like when you play in a car when, and then you'll have the, uh, the visual at the same time as the audio. The audio is literally in your ears or in your brain somehow. Maybe even you taste it at the same time. It's just all just this, <laughs> it ex it's an experience just like, all together. All the artists, the artists might be even like more high level, and that's yeah. like one interpretation. And like the other one I want to give you is that it's all the same signal, right? So instead of it being like a catered, they'll make like oh. certain visuals for the music. It's the exact same binary input into your visual cortex, so you will hallucinate what that music is supposed to look like for your individual makeup. Wow. Damn. Yeah, so is your brother <laughs> being prepared for that future? I don't know if he if he's down for that, weirdly enough. Like that's that's I, I, I like know. thinking about these things because I imagine like one of my my big almost like I feel goals in this life, you know, is to of course show up for love, but I believe I'm showing up for love as uh as an act of conscious evolution. Yeah. where most of the evolving we did happen biologically. Those version of us that had to run away from the lions <laughs> aren't that much different to this version of us sitting and having this conversation right now. So because I'm not going to evolve in this life, at least that much of this physical body, all of the evolution that will take place inside of me will be, yeah. you know, of the conscious, you know, variety. Exactly. And these, these type of thoughts and these type of ideas, I feel, and maybe I'm wrong about this, by thinking about them and really considering how they make me feel and the importance I place on them, when these technologies become available, I've already experienced that input or mm. at least a fractal to that input. So it won't be that jarring to me to consider why people are doing it. I think it would allow me a more empathy and understanding as to why people are doing it, for example. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. No matter what we have for technology, it's still up to us to be able to tap in and evolve ourselves that's what we're at right now is we're evolving ourselves which is exponential when you evolve your okay. consciousness it's way quicker than darwinian evolution way quicker than biological evolution and it's all up to us i think we evolve in a moment yeah yeah exactly it's happening right now <laughs> <laughs> i think we evolved to have these bodies for a certain purpose like the ego isn't completely evil you know, the, the sense of separate self isn't completely evil. We had to evolve to survive, to get to where we're at. But now it's like the next stage is we take what we've been given from evolution and uh, use it to our best ability to, I guess, become light beings in a way, you know, um, transcend the body. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. So it's like you either utilize the tools that we have at our disposal, including the body and its five senses, or you let it use you. It's really that simple. And it's always going to be that formula going into the future. Um, no matter what kind of technology that we have attached to our body, it's always going to be that formula. You have to, you have to slow down, know what you are, and then work with what you truly are, not negating the five senses the body and all that comes with it but with that discernment of slowing down using it effectively to um become light like i said become angels that's what it seems like we're we're doing
as the light dude this light is just really intense on my face right now it's, there's nothing that i can it's do it's like it's so <laughs> synchronous man like the fact like we've, we've been talking about like the synchronicities and how things have been happening to us leading up to this you know yeah. like stream and this is just like another fractal of that like the, as you were the talking sun about will move this. over <laughs> right, <sorry. laughs> no please this this like choice that we have right now right like to use our technology one way or another like the duality is always going to remain as you mentioned as well you know and like that consciousness is going to be like the anchoring point into which like we look i believe that consciousness is god and that god is love right yeah. so like that's like the the point through which we're looking you know like the intersection point and you can technically use these technologies that's going to be available to us over the next few years to completely decimate yourself right yeah. like to ruin your life experience to cast yourself so far into darkness that you believe that's what you are from that conscious perspective. <laughs> and in the same way, from that same exact, you know, vantage point, if you choose to consciously evolve that way, can become a light being as well. Yeah. And like, how do we communicate that to someone to realize that they're in power in that way? Because I feel like that's one of the biggest shames that I see in our world right now is the sense of, I can't do that, right? That I see mm. in people. Mm. where there's this doubt. belief system yeah doubt you know and a, and, a, and a sense of fear as well maybe that maybe if i try and i fail that's worse than being able to say i didn't try so i didn't fail you mm. know and like i feel like it's this weird uh death by a thousand cuts kind of thing like i i love my family so much you know but i i grew up in south africa where i think something like 70 percent of the population identify as you know conservative christians and like there is so many things that i've noticed growing up in this family and seeing the the things that they believe about other people like the one of the other things you know that we were kind of like taught to be scared of is like trans rights for example and seeing their aversion to that being a thing right that people aren't supposed to be that way right and again seeing that as a type of darkness when they are actively telling themselves they are being beings of light by <laughs> fighting you know this change and yeah. like that's the thing is like a it's like where you find yourself and then the projection you put out into the world where even people who are casting themselves in the darkness can still convince themselves that they're doing something right yeah like it's uh it's, it's again and, you, and we talked about this already it's it's weird how these things keep coming back Mm, yeah man it's unfortunate and there's nothing that we could do truly there's really nothing that we could do to say like there's no way that one can formulate their words that would enable one that is very stuck in a conservative dogmatic mindset to be like oh 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 you're right oh, <laughs> like, there's wow. no way now i'm enlightened yeah there's no <laughs> way there's there's no there's really no way you can be as evangelical as you want you could literally say God is love to somebody's face, looking in their eyes, loving them. And they'd be like, huh, huh. like there, there's just, there's no way you have to do it yourself. And what's it going to yeah. take for people to get the, get the message, you know, to take the red pill. I don't know. Uh, maybe mushrooms, <laughs> to be honest with you. I like, I believe, I actually believe I can, it's so weird that they're so averse to it as well at the it's same time. It's just the time. ego. It's that survival yeah. instinct. It's just it's really so deep-rooted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it knows that there's something awaiting there, but it doesn't want to go there. It's. It sounds so arrogant to say that stuff. No, I don't think so. I don't think so because like ego death is a very real and associated thing with like the psychedelic experience, right? And like if you are an ego, maybe even a little bit curious about the psychedelic experience and you go and research that, as soon as you read the words ego death, your ego instantly takes the stance of like, I don't want to die. <laughs> you know, what does that even mean? Yeah. And like after having that experience yourself, you realize like, and I feel like it's a, it's a bad word for that as well. You yeah, know? it has because a negative like, the word I like to use is enlightenment. And unfortunately, enlightenment has also been bastardized. Yeah. I believe enlightenment means when you remember you are light, or at least you come from the same source of light that we all share, that yep. is when you're enlightened. It doesn't mean you're now suddenly floating on a cloud and no problems touch you. It just means that you remember that part of yourself. And that part of yourself is almost, you know, 
parallel in, in one way to the ego, right? Like you are that version of yourself always. And also this ego version of yourself almost like transposed on top of it. And it, it takes that layer away and you get to see this base reality. And it is scary yeah. for the ego to go through that experience, but it is so worthy as a human experience to have, you know? And again, as you said, I can't say the right combination of words and then you're going to suddenly, oh, now I know my ego <laughs> is an illusion. No, <laughs> oh, silly me. Doesn't work that way. It's not that And easy. then there's another thing that was like just echoing on my mind. Ram Das has this beautiful quote that goes, if you think you're enlightened, go and spend a week with your family. And like, yeah. that's, that's like the thought that came up to me as you were like talking about saying the right words. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. You explained it very well, though, how our ego is like superimposed upon what we actually are. It's a good point. That is uh, enlightenment. I mean, the Buddhists would say there's levels to it. There's four levels of awakening, different jhanas, as they say. I agree with that as well. But once you get the glimpse... You know, once you enter the stream, as they say, um, no self. Yeah, once you see it, there's no going back. You know, they—that's literally. I think they call it sotipana. Like once you, like once you dip your toe in, and you taste how sweet it is to know that we are beyond the ego, all the pains and pleasures, all the comings and goings, all the suffering that the ego brings to this experience. That we're actually beyond that once you can even just for a second just get a glimpse of that you don't need anything else and you just go with that but that's the thing is like what what gets somebody on that wavelength to have that taste like i said i have no idea it might be psychedelics that's why i regard psychedelics so much because i don't know if i would have been able to get that taste if it wasn't for high dose mushroom experiences to be honest with you I was kind of on that wavelength, kind of. You were you were a seeker of that wavelength. Yeah, which so I think that's why it happened. Everything happens for a reason. But if I like, I don't, I don't know if I would have realized. I, I like, I was always reluctant of God. I don't think I would even say God. God is love didn't make any sense because it doesn't make any sense. It actually goes beyond logic. So I was always scientific. I was always rational uh, oriented. But the mushrooms like showed me that third option. They showed you outside of the thinking to understand like through experience, personal experience that yes, God is love. And it's not something that you figure out with an equation or a proof or that somebody tells you really, but it's true, man. It, it, that's like the one thing. Yeah. It's an experience that is never let go. And I don't yeah. know if I could have did it without mushrooms. We can, the saints and the sages all say we can. But, but they had they had like time. They they had the luxury of being able to spend years literally oh, yeah. pursuing that state of being. Yeah. And it's like we don't live in that world, unfortunately, with yeah. with things the way that they are on right now. And I feel even though mushrooms can be seen as a shortcut, you said something that really resonated with me. And it's like how it in a weird way, and I'm saying weird because that's the closest to a you know word I can say, it changes you. It changes your your attachment and your understanding of your place in the world yeah and i feel like that also scares those that are a little bit hesitant about mm -hmm. going for that experience because i was before taking psychedelics for all intents and purposes not a good person oh. you know because i was also an atheist and yep. i also was like there is no god mm -hmm. when you die your brain cells stop firing and then that's it then it's darkness like like a computer being switched off and i believe that and I was like, not only believing that, but I, I was in a Christian school. So we were, we had like mandatory Christian classes and I would absolutely dump on the pastors. And I would be <laughs> like, you know, this is not how it is. And I felt a sense of pride in myself for knowing this, knowing this to be a truth about reality. Oh. And then, you know, this curiosity in me remained, you know, like because I was, I was raised Christian and I couldn't, I couldn't take it as a truth. You know, because like it says in the Bible as well that God is love. And then I see all of these things that this biblical God did. And I'm like, these things don't align. And I believe that's intentional, right? It creates like a sense of dissonance in the human mind that like separates you from that lived experience, right? It tells yeah. you that this thing that you think is God is out there somewhere. Yeah. And you have to follow this set of rules 
and then maybe one day you'll get you know close to that space but only after <laughs> you die yeah and then coming to your family and being like you eat this mushroom and you can meet god now alive they're like nope that you're you're meeting like the the devil right <laughs> yeah, because the exactly. devil hides itself in multiple different ways and will convince you that it is god and i'm like dad why would the devil try to convince me that I'm supposed to love everybody instead of hate the world. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that's, that seems very counterintuitive to me. Yeah, right. And I feel like that's the, that's the one thing that I feel maybe I did incorrectly. So if there's any of you friends watching, don't hype about your mushroom experiences to your family if you want them to take them. Just be like, this is an experience you can have. It's going to be your experience. And like, that's the best advice I can give because I feel like I almost scared my family with like the conclusions that I've come to and the depth of belief that it kind of like solidified in me, right? Because I believe in God, I do. I just don't believe it is something out there. I believe God is all around us in every single person that we meet. The thing behind the thing is God mm. everywhere. The thing and if behind you can the thing. seek that out, you you'll find it, you know, yeah. you'll find it in the trees, you'll find it in your pets, you'll find it in the food that you eat. And as soon as you, again, you know, as soon as you dip your toes in that way of seeing the world, things become more beautiful and there's a little bit more hope. And that's, that's what I've been doing for myself at least. Like it's a way of saving myself, you know, because I was depressed. I, I didn't see the point of continuing my existence if like this was all it was about, right? Mm. Oh, I'm supposed to eat food and then go and work a job and then eat food again and then sleep <laughs> and then work a job. Yeah. Like that surely yeah. isn't all there is to it. And yeah, I feel like that's the thing that makes me makes me so passionate about it. Is it, it saved my life? Yes, you know, literally. Yes. Amen. And I want other people to have that experience as well. Amen, man. And that's how we started this whole talk. What is the antidote to this craziness, to the strife <sighs> yeah. of the world? The antidote, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I can, I would never imagine I would say this ten years ago. The antidote to all of this is God. There's no other way. And that's truly what the saints and sages said. The point of this life is to have God realization, not God realization from a dude in a college shirt every Sunday. True realizing that you are actually also a part of God. That's the whole point of it. You're supposed to that's figure out that man. you're a part of it. You're not separate and mm -hmm. he's up there in the clouds. No. God is you, not all of you, thankfully. God is everything outside of the body as well. It's in the body and outside of the body. But until you realize that you are, in fact, part of the divinity that you see in other people and the trees and everything, then it's not going to compute. It's not going to make sense. You know, it doesn't, I've, it I've, doesn't. Dude, like I've <laughs> shared this story probably in your podcast before, but if there's mm -hmm. a new friend watching right now, I want to share it again. Because like, as soon as we start talking about this, and someone hears you as Gary say, you are God, you know, it instantly yeah. creates the sense of like, how dare you, you know, yeah, not and this like is that. The, my favorite koan. Yeah, no, 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 please like keep it, keep it. Like I believe it. My favorite koan of understanding, you know, of like trying to in like a story convey to another person what that means is a, a story of a Buddhist monk. And in, in the Buddhist temples, there are no maids. Everybody works together to keep the temple clean. That's how it is. And there is scheduling, you know, so like one day it's your turn. The other day it's one of the other monks turn. And one day this monk wakes up and he decides, you know what? Within my religion, my enlightenment literally can save all of reality, all of the world, every single being. So it's more important to me to become enlightened than to mop the floor today. So he sits down and he meditates and he meditates. And four hours pass, and six hours pass, and eight hours pass, and his eyes fly open, and he realizes, I am God. And he jumps up, and he runs to the food hall where all of the other monks are sitting and eating their last meal, and he goes, my brothers, my brothers, I remembered, I am God. And they all look to him, and they say, congratulations, it took you long enough, now mop the floor. Yep. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and like that is that is the interpretation we should be taking with that that story it's like yes you are god but also the floor needs to be mopped you know the floor is and god as well turn. yeah the mop is god <laughs> exactly. as well exactly there's a story that i heard um similar to that 
if Jesus went to India, which I actually think he did, um, but I think so as well. I, if Jesus went to India and proclaimed, I am the son of God, everyone would look at him and be like, yeah, so, so, so are we, like, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. So, um, yeah, kind of touching upon that same idea. It's, it's honestly, it's funny because it's, it becomes almost not that big of a deal, even though it's probably the biggest deal that could be bestowed upon somebody that doesn't know any better. But once you know better, if you saying that you're God to me and me saying it to you, it's like, okay, yeah, now what? Go mop the floor. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, it's not, it's a big deal, but yet at the same time, it's like once you come to the realization. I think the reason I think people people are so jarred, you know, especially like in the conservative way of seeing it, is because they are required to worship and literally sacrifice their souls to this thing that they call God, right? So as soon as they hear the word God, that is the association they have with it. Whereas like this being that you worship and that is, you know, your relationship to this God thing. when your relationship to God is one of love. Like you're yeah. just supposed to love God, you know? And like worship and love, I feel like worship is the obsessive form of love, you know? And like mm. there's a certain level of self-sacrifice that comes with worship, which I don't necessarily think is necessarily wrong. The way yeah. I consider the, the Christian uh, viewpoint, because I, I still see it as a, as a valuable teaching, but I see it as a psychological drama that every single one of us is the son of God or the daughter of God or the they, them of God, however you choose to identify, that has become materialized, right? And that material version of God will literally give its life, you know? You can say for the sins, you know, the, the punishment of sin is death. You will live this life giving your life to humanity and then you will die as an ultimate sacrifice for having lived this life. I don't think of it as a, like there's only this one entity who ever did that and now we all have to worship him every single one of us has that christ consciousness so christ consciousness for example i believe is when god becomes physically embodied and experiences the consciousness of a human being that's what i believe christ consciousness is yep and in that case every single one of us participates in that fractal yep and you either know it or you don't you're either with the program or you're not but we're all that's the thing even if you don't know it, this is the this is the tricky part. Even if somebody, which most people don't, let's just be honest. Not I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but most people don't know their God. <laughs> so, but that's the that's the um, that's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The duty, I guess you could say, of all of us that you could say are light workers that have that realization. It's to amidst the strife and the darkness and the war and the fighting of the the unknowers you could say people who don't know amidst that how can you see everybody and everything as god in drag throughout all of our suffering how can you see through that and see shiva staring at you in the face that's i feel as though the journey in the adventure of us that um have that sense of knowing and i'm not perfect i'm not a arhant, as you would say, uh, a completely enlightened being. I often lose myself in the ego as well, but yet still I feel as though once one enters the stream, as we said, it's always in the back of one's head. You know, it's always there to be reminded of. And um, yeah, I guess that's our duty here is to be able to refine ourselves to always be at that wavelength. So ultimately we create a better world. You know what I'm saying? You're touching on a, on a truth that I've been trying to share with people as well. And it's like almost in the same line, but it's like a shortened version of how are people supposed to see God in the world if you don't show them? Interesting. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and it's as you mentioned, you know, it's like as you walk around and I believe that the way to show God in this world is through extreme kindness. You yeah, know, like that like is Jesus. that is the closest. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the, closest the power to of Jesus. That state of God that I've you know been able to you know share with other people, yeah. and people understand it, right? Like no matter where you're from, no matter your religion or your you know sexual orientation, if you're kind to someone just for the sake of being kind to someone, and you expect nothing of them, 
yeah. for that kindness. Yeah. It changes people. Like yeah. I've seen it change people's entire days, you know, in an instance. And it's a power that every single one of us have. But again, with like this rushed nature, I don't have time to be kind. I need to get things exactly. done. Yeah. Why would I want to be kind? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I would say this because I understand that argument. Like, why would I want to be kind? I got to put food on the table. I got to look after my kids. Well, kindness not only is beneficial to who you're being kind to, but it's also beneficial to yourself and, you know, your yourself, your, you know, your Gary and Melt and whoever's listening. Kindness is love is a two way street. It seems the more that you're loving and truly loving, like you said, not looking to get anything out of anybody no fruits of your labor as they say it just is naturally i don't know beneficial and conducive to happiness it seems and i don't even know if happiness is the right word but it seems like just residing at kindness without even thinking that it's kindness you know without even saying i am being kind right now just having that natural resonance of kindness i feel as though is just a natural resonance of joy mm. you know like i'm I'm wondering now as you're saying this, like the the not articulating to it to yourself, like is again the the whole nurture versus nature things comes in my mind because I believe technically by nature we are supposed to be kind because again from the perspective of like the whole fearful humans you know running away from lions had the chance to procreate I think the same thing about kind humans right where like the kind humans were the ones who were taking care of one another and. You know, we're welcomed into families or tribes. And it's almost like we we are, you know, using these these evolutionary tools almost like against ourselves. Where like that we live in a very isolated slash individual society where like you're supposed to be kind to yourself. You're supposed to love yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I agree with that, you know, for the large purpose. That's but step one. You said it beautifully. It's like we don't realize that that love to yourself and that kindness to yourself also happens when you're kind to another which is yourself (laughs) which is yourself (laughs) just a reflection that's how it works it's a it's a hard thing to try and articulate sometimes you know and i feel like that's the beautiful thing about having conversations with you gary and with people like-minded to us you friends choosing to listen so deep into this podcast we we feel a sense of resonance we feel that truth you know, and the person having come to that truth, almost like it's like it's yourself that you're talking to, even yeah. though all of these versions of ourselves are ourselves. What is that <laughs> that thing that makes us feel like, you know, this person is another? I feel one thing that can do it is uh, the belief about the self. Right. And that's something that I've noticed in my personal relationships is that people that believe themselves to only be flesh usually live that way. You know, and living that way, you know, begets a state of being that isn't resonant of a state of unity. Yeah. I gained a new dogger. Who's that one? This is Eva. She's a Mexican hairless. Wow. Oh, no fur hair at all? No fur. She has like a little bit of like fluffies up top. Wow. She's mostly naked. Side note, isn't that strange how we took the wolf and made it genetically into a hairless being like that? So weirdly enough, this like, and I and I this is what I've been told, you know, like she's like a five thousand year old breed, you know, like they used to bury people with her. I don't like know if Egyptian? you saw the movie Coco. Uh, I know about it. I haven't seen it though. So if you want to see it, like, and since it's like the whole Halloween thing, I think it maybe if you'd be willing to invest the time, watch Coco today. I think okay. you would really love it, especially mm-hmm. if the conversations we had today. There's one of these dogs in that movie. And like they, they are believed to be like guides, you know, for like souls going into the afterlife. Hmm. Like it's so I'm, I'm tripping out that she kind of decides to join us for the stream so I can have this conversation. In what culture? Is Halloween, this the like Mayan this. culture or is this like Egyptian? In, in, in uh, I think it's Mayan slash Mexican culture, you know, like where the whole yeah, day like of the, the dead Aztec, is actually celebrated. The Olmecs. Yeah. Oh, I'm so interested in those like ancient cultures like that, ancient civilizations. There's something so special about their society that they had and we seem to be so distant from the magic that they involved themselves with i mean <laughs> setting aside the human sacrifice <laughs> everything other than that even though that is in a way some weird magic um i'm oh, not yeah. advocating for it but like still that's just such a 
alien way to live like their whole society they're the same people as us is what i'm trying to say like they're the same people yet they involve themselves with the afterlife so much and mummification and human sacrifice and this just totally different culture but yet it was in mexico yet it was in egypt or in all of the americas literally where i live you know where you live probably everywhere where all us lived was this other world like almost a, a, a seeming different dimension where people were just on a completely different wavelength than we are i love that i love history like that and um i think there's a lot of there's a lot of mystery to it but i think it, if you can study it with a keen eye it it tells you a lot about yourself history and especially ancient history it tells you a lot about who we really are as people yeah side note that's Man, a definite like side note you're resonating with me dude like especially like this like there's this line you know that i'm thinking about right now you know and like the the movie coco goes into like passing you know and losing loved ones and you know the afterlife like that's the, the whole point of the story and one of the things that they believe in their culture is that you die twice the yeah. first time you die is when this physical body passes away and the second time you die is the last time that someone says your name heard that before yeah that's an right? ancient adage like, i've heard that yeah yeah and like thinking about that from the perspective of what we're doing right now like no no version of humanity even though we're the exact same beings have had access to this level of permanence where after this this you know podcast goes online unless there's some sort of massive catastrophe we're gonna stay alive in a way that previous beings haven't been able to you yeah. know and what does that mean for our souls you know is that a i don't know is that a good thing or is our soul celebrating i think so i don't I know like how or why or where it's going to end up but i think it's supposed to be like this the technology especially video and audio recording isn't just meant to be used for clout and money making and dance videos and cat videos it's not meant for instant gratification just like this like most videos, I heard the statistic that most videos that we see, whether it's TikTok, Reels, YouTube, most videos that we see have been made within, I think, 24 hours or 48 hours. So most of us are just seeing the moment or, you know, not actually the moment. We're seeing like wh what happened recently. But really, when you think about what video is and what audio is, it's way further than that. It's way more than just communicating a message to people as quick as you can. It's about recording time. <laughs> you're, you're recording time and space. You're recording moments for who knows how long. Who knows how long this video is going to be alive for. It's definitely, like you said, unless there's some kind of cataclysm, cataclysm it's going to outlive us. All of this yeah. is going to outlive our bodies. And I don't, I mean, is, is that a good thing? Yeah, I guess. If you're saying the right stuff. <laughs> I guess if you're... <laughs> I don't know. I guess on the right side of history. Yeah, if you're on the right side of history. But I was also thinking about that. Think about how much just absolute garbage is on the internet Bruh, that is, that is being recorded. Dude. That yeah, oh that's the epitome of garbage. That is Bruh, like exactly, dude. Like and I, and I, I like worry. I like worry for like our future people looking back at us and being like these absolute degenerates. Yeah, look what they <laughs> recorded for history for us. Just them just banging yeah. each other. It's crazy. Exactly. It's they so had this crazy. technology at the, their disposal, and all they did was get naked and have sex with each other. And that's like, the, the, the. So much. Over and over again. Like, at what point is it enough? That's the thing that I would like <laughs> to ask the porn industry as a whole. It's like, isn't there enough? Can't you stop? Like, no. there's enough for like all humanity forever. Like, no, <laughs> no one person would ever be able to see that's all pretty the funny. pornography out there. You need to keep making stop. it and you don't. Yeah, exactly. And like, and I want to share this because I feel like it's so. <laughs> <laughs> counter to my, my my previous point i believe and this is the hopeful part of me that ai is going to very much appreciate our input uh -huh. right like if ai eventually becomes sentient and maybe we can like end today's you know podcast off with this this thought experiment if ai eventually becomes sentient the fact that it might be able to understand that there are these physical entities in the world that have to mush food with their teeth stones and swallow it to get energy so that they can use a little voice box and push air to make vibrations, to put that into a microphone membrane to create digital input. I would like to believe that it's going to think of that as so cool and valuable and it's going to want as much of that as possible. 
Because again, th this thing that we're creating right now, the internet or you know AI as an extension of it, is going to outlive humanity. And a million, a billion years from now, I think it's going to really look back fondly to the things that me and you are choosing to say right now. So if you're watching me, AI entity billion years from now, I love you. Ooh. So much. Wow. And I love you too, Gary Lee. Thank you, bro. I love you too, man. Um, yeah, we've talked about that ad nauseum, what we're inputting into this new world, this new mechanism, this new whatever we're creating as a collective. And it's all about um it's all about putting in the right stuff, I guess. Uh doing the best we can. You're doing definitely the best you can, man. Um so I appreciate you and what you do every single day. We're at what day over a thousand now, which is crazy. One thousand and thirty-four was today. Yeah, that's wild. I don't know how you do it. Keep on doing your thing. Um, I, I can't emphasize that enough, man. Obviously, you're gonna keep doing your thing, but it's it's really it's really cool to see you do your thing every day, man. It really is. And um, I don't know what else to say. It's awesome. Anybody that has no idea who Melt is. He live streams every single day. Talk about the epitome of devotion. Devoted to your community every day, man. Devoted it's to inspirational. Love. Devoted to God, man. Like, and that's that's what it is. Like, and I and I appreciate this loving so much. And there's something I always like to say when people are like, How do you do that? Technically, all I did was do it today. Technically. Right. And that's how I, I choose to say, see it. It's like, yeah, I've done it for thousand plus days consecutively, but technically I just did it today. And mm. if we can show up for love today, you will make a difference. That's all that's required of you. Amen. I like that. And I, and I thank you for showing up for love today, man. Like thank you. I, I missed, I missed our podcast yesterday to the friends watching. And I feel if I joined yesterday, we wouldn't have had today's conversation. I agree. So I appreciate I appreciate you being here for this, man. Appreciate you. It all happens for a reason, man. There's truly something going on behind the scenes that is formulating how things come about um, in a way that we'll never be able to figure out, and that's okay. Just got to go with the flow. Like I said, you're either with it. makes it so beautiful. Yep, you're either with it or you're against McKenna it. was here with us, he would say it's the, the ultimate novelty generator. Yep. This universe we're a part of. <laughs> Amen to that, man. So you're either uh, with the novelty or, or not. So keep on keeping on, man. And keep on keeping on to everybody that listened this long. Um, yeah, show up for love, right? Isn't that your saying? What do you, love is true? Yeah, love is true. That's the thing, dude. Like, sure, you know, like to, off, to end it off, maybe fear is real as much as anything else is, but love is a truth. But mm. if you seek it, if you if you feel fear, why feel fear or why continue to feel fear if you didn't have any love to feel afterwards, right? So seek that truth and you shall find it. I promise you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Little Eva came and seeked love from me as well, and she found it too. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother appreciate Bear. You, man. Have an amazing day, man. Thank and you. Blessings to the friends watching. Peace and love. Peace and love to everybody.